Hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, we have a few things to talk about. First up, a brief look at NASCAR. Then, we talk about the latest episode of WandaVision. And finally, a good discussion. Is it better to watch something all at once or on a weekly basis? But first, drivers, start your engines! With football season over, and I am so glad the Buccaneers beat those Chiefs, now there is a bit of a lull. Since of course, unlike the last two years, there is no spring football. So now, until baseball returns, we have basketball, hockey, but also NASCAR. Now in 2020, NASCAR had a bit of a popularity boost, considering that a lot of things happened in the sport, as well as the fact that it was the first one to come back during the pandemic. Now back in March of 2020, it was one of the last sporting events to essentially cancel or postpone events, because of course by this point, nearly every other sporting event had stopped. And unlike other sports, which tended just to air reruns nonstop, NASCAR did its best to come back. For two months at least, it aired virtual races, which was admittedly weird, but eventually, those virtual races gave them a boost in the popularity and attention. Because there was a span of time from April to at least August where there were no other sports. Basketball didn't return until the late summer. Baseball started relatively later than usual. The NFL canceled their preseason, and other sports were up in the air. And with NASCAR's return, it was seen to many as a miracle that sports were back. Now, of course, for the first few races back, NASCAR essentially went with no fans. And it was relatively weird seeing a NASCAR race with no fans, which has become the norm for this pandemic, where you would either see an empty arena, auditorium, or track, or a small fraction of fans. With that said, I wanted to bring up something. Despite the fact that NASCAR has surprisingly become popular in the last few months, I have been a fan for nearly 20 years. In some form or another, my interest in the sport came around because of conveniences. It wasn't because of a particular driver, it wasn't because of a particular car, it wasn't even because of a particular event, it was Britney Spears. Now the reason I bring up Britney Spears has to do with Pepsi, because at the time I was a fan of Britney Spears, and by pure contrivances there were a series of events that got me to watching NASCAR. I can trace it all the way back to 2001, when at the time Britney Spears was a spokesperson for Pepsi, and one of the things she did was appear whenever Pepsi was involved, in particular NASCAR. At the time, Pepsi sponsored the Pepsi 400, the night race at the Daytona International Speedway, which is also known as the home of the Daytona 500. And the reason I found out about this was through a commercial where Britney Spears appeared promoting NASCAR. Sort of. I don't even know if the commercial is still on YouTube, but it was a commercial promoting NBC's coverage of the Pepsi 400, because it was their first race under a new agreement with NASCAR, where they would broadcast the second half of the season. And at the time, I wasn't paying attention to NASCAR, because it was just another sport I didn't watch, in the same vein as, say, golf. And the moment I saw Britney Spears, I thought, oh, Britney Spears is going to be in this? And I decided to watch it. 
And the first thing that really got me interested in the sport was just watching the race. I mean, Britney Spears was there, but right after that, I just decided to stick around and watch what happened next. And it was pure convenience, because the first race I ever watched happened when I was visiting relatives. It was a birthday party for my aunt, and while everybody was having fun and I immediately was a bit bored, I watched the race on NBC and was just amazed by all the action. Now for some people, NASCAR is just cars running around in circles, but to me, I found that exciting. We're just seeing all of these cars driving together at once, and then all of a sudden, they start crashing. And that was the day I just got hooked into NASCAR. I just tried watching as much as I could. And to this day, I still keep up with the sport. I'm aware of everyone in the sport. I'm aware of who's who in NASCAR. I know about Daniel Suarez, Danny Hamlin, Cal Busch, Kurt Busch, Bubba Wallace, a lot of drivers. Now some might say that NASCAR is just a sport where you run around in circles with a car. I would say in contrast that basketball, you run around in a circle with a ball, in baseball, you run around a diamond, and in football, you essentially run back and forth between two ends of a field. What I'm saying is, all sports involve circles. NASCAR in the past 20 years has experienced a lot of changes, which include, but are not limited to, safety, network television rights, as well as the cars. For example, when I began watching NASCAR, there was Chevy, Ford, Pontiac, and Dodge. Now, it's Chevy, Ford, and Toyota, because in the past 20 years, Pontiac as a brand has ceased to exist and Dodge left NASCAR. And I have seen tracks have come and gone, some which were considerably very popular early on, but as the years have gone on, have seen less and less attendance. Before the pandemic, for example, Chicagoland started off relatively popular, but you then saw how slowly it decreased in popularity. And in fact, after the pandemic, it was removed from the schedule, not even having a farewell race because the last race it was supposed to have was canceled because of the pandemic. Now, despite all of these changes, the constant changing of schedules, cars, drivers, networks, am I still a fan? Yes. There's just something about NASCAR that makes it stand out from, say, IndyCar Formula 1. Now, for starters, it's stock cars. It's not an IndyCar. It's not Formula 1. It's stock car racing. And there's a huge difference between, say, watching a NASCAR race and then watching IndyCar Formula 1. They are all relatively different types of racing. NASCAR in particular races on ovals with the occasional road course. IndyCar runs a mixture of oval and road course, while in Formula 1, all road course, never ovals. But going back to NASCAR, it's just exciting to watch. Now sure, for the most part, 90% of NASCAR is just seeing a bunch of cars running around in circles, but at the same time, it's really fun seeing the strategies to go to make sure they're the ones getting the checkered flag. There's a lot of strategy when it comes to tires, fuel, the draft, and of course, position. And it's just really exciting seeing all of these issues come up in a race, where you have, say, you're running a low on gas, and you need just enough gas for the last lap, and there have been races that have been decided on the last lap, either due to gas or something unexpected. For example, the Bush Clash ended on a crazy note, with the two drivers in the front, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, essentially hitting each other on the last turn, and just as it looked like Chase was about to take the win, Kyle Busch comes from behind and just takes the win. 
That's how exciting NASCAR can be, and at the same time frustrating, especially if you're not a fan of Kyle Busch, who many people have called the worst driver ever. I don't, I find him awesome, he's my favorite. And there's just something for everyone to enjoy about NASCAR, whether you like the cars, the driving, the crashing, it's just that fun to watch. And also, it's about as long as a football game, so what else are you gonna do on a Sunday? Mow your lawn? The Daytona 500 airs this Sunday on Fox. And now it's time for our weekly discussion on WandaVision. The following was recorded after watching episode 6 of WandaVision. There will be spoilers. Well, that was an episode. Now I'll begin by pointing out that I really love the Malcolm in the Middle references within the episode, and there were a lot from the opening right down to having the font, as well as the fact that occasionally the characters break the forest wall. Now some might think, oh, but Malcolm in the Middle wasn't the only one that did that. Yeah, of course, there were other shows that broke the fourth wall, like Saved by the Bell. And there were a lot of things in this episode that surprised me, and one that may or may not have set up Monica for later. In the episode, it's revealed that Monica's DNA has changed just because she went back and forth between the barrier, meaning it might set up her abilities as a mutant. Now, there were a lot of subtle references throughout the episode, and there are a few discussions that feature certain references, in particular to Nightcrawler, who's only mentioned as a weird creature, as well as Kick-Ass, which is a not-so-subtle reference to another superhero movie where Aaron Taylor Johnson, the guy who previously played Quicksilver in the MCU, played a hero. It was interesting seeing Vision going further and further to the edge of Wanda's barrier, and seeing how Wanda doesn't use everyone at once. It's revealed that everyone in the town is alive, but when Wanda's not using them, they're essentially just doing nothing. And we saw that with a few examples. When Vision is walking around and we see a woman trying to hang up a decoration, she just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. But then we see the person start to cry, as in, she's aware of everything, but at the same time, can't do anything about it. And we saw that with other people in the town, where they're just standing still, not doing anything, as if they're waiting for their cue from Wanda, so that when Wanda and the sitcom walk around, they'll start doing something. In addition, something came up that really made me curious. Wanda talks about there being nothingness and darkness, and it came up with the following theory. Now, we saw how people in both Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home, those five years were nothing. They were just a second for them, whereas for everyone else, five years passed by. But Wanda's mentioning of darkness makes me wonder if because of her superpowers, she was aware of those five years. As in, she experienced five years of darkness. Just imagine being somewhere alone in the dark for five years. In a way, you could call it something similar to solitary confinement. And that is an interesting concept where for Wanda, she experienced those five years. But while everyone else essentially dealt with the remnants of Thanos' war, she was left alone, isolated, with no one to talk to and nobody to interact with. And when you consider that, it sounds horrific. For Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, The Guardians, and everyone else who was snapped back into life, no time passed. But for someone who has supernatural powers, that could have just been a nightmare. That was essentially five years of isolation, and it drove her mad. 
Meaning within those five years, there is a possibility that her powers got stronger and stronger, but she couldn't do anything about it until she came back to life. And we saw how it happened in the end of the episode, where she used her newfound strength and energies that she doesn't know about to essentially stretch her barrier even further. And there were a lot of interesting twists at the end of that episode. You have Vision, who breaks out of the barrier and is dying. And Wanda, rather than say, do the same thing she did in the last episode and just simply drag him in again, she just stretches out the barrier. And it's really horrifying seeing what she does to everyone around the barrier when they get sucked in. And in the end, you only have like six people left who aren't in that barrier or essentially running from the barrier at full speed. Something I also really appreciate about the episode were the costumes referencing certain characters. And it's quite possibly the next best thing to having the characters appear in their original comic book costumes. Because, let's face it, the Scarlet Witch costume does not translate well from the comics to film. Which is why they had to radically change the design for the films. Aside from Scarlet Witch, she had the vision in his original attire. I also really appreciated the reference to Wiccan. I honestly thought they would just make up some fake superhero, but thankfully they didn't. They just went with the character wearing the Wiccan costume. Similarly with Quicksilver, he just wears what he wore in Age of Ultron. And after watching the episode and seeing how Wanda's losing control, it just begs the following. Where the fuck are the Avengers? Overall, it was a great episode and I can't wait to see what happens next. WandaVision is streaming only on Disney+. Plus. And while we're on the subject of Disney+, Plus, now something to consider about Disney Plus's release strategy when it comes to original content is how it's very traditional, as opposed to Netflix. With Disney+, Plus, they're releasing one episode a week. And for some people, they might find it a little frustrating, because we've been so accustomed to Netflix dumping all of a season at once. Which is a debatable topic to consider, because on the one hand, you're getting the entire season's worth of a show at once, but on the other hand, you also risk the show being easily forgotten about. Unless it's really popular. You look at a show like Stranger Things that has become really popular and continues to gain attention, but then you look at the other Netflix shows that have come out and been mostly forgotten about. The Get Down, for example, came out around the same time as Stranger Things, and nobody talks about it. And there is a debate to consider when it comes to Netflix of quality over quantity. And Netflix's strategy has worked for some shows. Some shows could work by releasing them all at once, especially if they're serialized, because it's like watching a 7-hour movie. And there are shows, both on broadcast and other streaming services, which follow a serialized format, such as Star Trek Discovery. But the thing is that a traditional format just works for certain shows, such as Friends and Law and & Order SVU. Now of course the biggest reason why Disney would likely prefer to release these shows on a weekly basis is to keep subscribers. Since of course, if you were to say get a free trial of Netflix, you time it to make sure you just watch the entire show and then immediately cancel your subscription. And with Disney Plus's weekly release schedule, it kind of forces the subscriber to keep subscribing to Disney Plus. As in, you're not going to watch this entire show at once. You either watch it on a weekly basis, or you wait until the show is over and then you could binge watch it, if even that's an option. And frankly, it's just better, because a traditional release schedule is far better than dumping it out all at once. 
Sure, Netflix has done a good job of doing this, but then you stop and think about how many Netflix shows have you actually watched. Now everyone talks about The Crown, Stranger Things, but when was the last time anyone talked about Nails It, The Dragon Prince, or even FS for Family? But going back to the reason why it's a weekly format, it just helps Disney keep subscribers. Because no one is going to start a subscription to Disney Plus long after the show has come out. Now there may be defenders of Netflix saying it's better for a show to be put out all at once. Which is fine. If a show is serialized to the point where you need to watch it in its entirety, that's fine. But if it's a weekly show that can be split apart easily and doesn't need to be watched all at once, that also works. Now for me personally, when it comes to watching shows on Netflix, I don't watch the entire show at once. I watch maybe one or two episodes and then come back because frankly, I don't have time to watch all of the show at once. But the most important question to ask ourselves is, who the fuck realistically watches an entire season of a show at once? All I will say is, I'm more of a traditional watcher. I prefer to watch shows on a weekly basis. I have a designated time to watch each show, and I watch it at that time. Now of course, for some people, time is meaningless, or was before the pandemic, but for me, I know what time to watch a show, and I watch it at that time. For example, for the past 20 or so years, I've watched The Simpsons at the same time, on the same network, regardless of my location. But for some people, they might watch The Symptoms at 3 in the morning. And to them, all I can say, more power to you. Next week on the Pop Culture Shuffle, I take on some more fan fiction. That is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Joel Garcia 9. Until next time, thank you for listening.